0: Hey folks, my name is Andy Siddow and welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. My guest today is North Carolina-based singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and producer, Phil Cook. Welcome back. I hope everyone is doing well. Are you feeling okay? Are things starting to open back up in your world? Have you been vaccinated yet? Um, lots of exciting things happening for artists of all kinds and for everybody, things are starting to open back up and that's awesome um, and I usually don't do a lot of sharing and show and tell, but I have a couple cool things going on that I wanted to mention really quick, first speaking of things opening back up I have my first tour in like a year and a half Um, we were when things first shut down my band, modestly titled Andy Sido Band was uh, about to head up to canada we were driving from denver to saskatoon um for a string of shows in saskatoon and edmonton and stuff closed down and, you know we're like where are we going to be able to go is the border going to be open and i laugh now thinking about it that we ever thought we were going to somehow still do this tour but you know in february when you're looking at march and april tour dates you know in 2020 that a lot of people were doing that in fact a lot of bands <laughs> were out longer um, than I was before they realized. Oh yeah, no, this thing's real. We all we all got to uh, you know go home. <laughs> but uh, anyway, things seem to be starting to open back up, which is really cool. And I'm doing my first tour in a long time, mid to late August into early to mid September. And for the first time, I'm doing a whole run solo. I've done um, I've done little one-offs solo, but I'm not taking a band. It's just me. Um, And uh, so I sound like a little bit less of a narcissist when I say it's called Andy Sito because it really is just me on this run, um, leaving Denver at mid-August and going through Lincoln, down through um, St. Louis, down to Nashville, up to Cleveland and back around. So I just have started stringing dates together through that and i'm just doing small clubs listening rooms house concerts i am trying to book as many house concerts as possible and i have some open dates so um you know if you're along that tour route at all between denver lincoln uh st st louis nashville anywhere to get me to cleveland and and then back home um you know let me know i've got several confirmed dates but several open still and i may even shoot over to uh north carolina Asheville, or something like that well while I'm in, uh, you know, if I can, and, you know, visit a couple friends, play a couple shows. Anyway, fun, exciting stuff. And I know a lot of my friends are starting to get back out on the road, too. And um, and that's awesome. I wish everybody the best in safety and success and all that. Um, it, it's cool. It's cool to see, hopefully, you know, again, provided X, Y, and Z happens. But we're starting to anticipate things opening, and it's... Um, It's awesome. The second thing is I've got a new EP coming out on April 9th. So not too long after this episode um, comes out, it's called Time Love Everywhere. And it was recorded on the tail end actually of a a Canadian run. That's about the, we usually do it March, April every year. It was at the tail end of that in 2019. We had a day off in Boise, Idaho and uh, went into a home studio, recorded a couple tracks. I added a third track that I recorded at home. And uh, I produced it, so I I wrote horn lines and got horn players to come in to a local studio in Denver. And um, backing vocals, too. This wonderful um, all-female folk trio, Sister Neapolitan, did the backing vocals. And oh my gosh, did they sound good. Um, And that was the only thing, the only parts we did in in a professional studio was the horns and the backing vocals. The rest is, um, you know, home studio or literally next to my bed and uh so that's cool that's cool i'm proud of it it's it sounds really really good the first single mona lisa's everywhere is already out and there's a music video with it um yeah anyway so it, it, like i said i don't usually do show and tell or anything but um a couple of exciting things going on and i i'm just uh i'm stoked for my friends People are starting to, to book things and release things that they've been holding on to that they recorded a year and a half or two years ago that they thought they were going to release and, and, um, and that's really exciting. So my guest today, as I mentioned at the beginning, is Phil Cook. and I'm so, so happy that I was able to get him on the podcast. I, I made a list, you know, three years ago when I started about people I wanted to get on the podcast eventually and um, Phil was on that initial list and I've gotten a few other people from that initial list too, which is really cool because I had some shoot for the stars names on there as well as some friends, um, you know. So it's cool to check one of those names from the initial list off there. It was just such a privilege to to chat with Phil, um, and he's somebody too. I'll go into his story a little bit, his bio here in a second, but he's somebody for me that I really that I really can look up to and and appreciate. Um in a in a really special way because I, I look at Phil and you know, Jeremy Lawton I could throw into there from Big Head Todd and the monsters that I recently had on. I could throw him into that pile too of people where I say, you know, I, I'd like to be like them when I grow up. Um, you know, I play guitar and piano and lap steel and produce records for other artists and and um I just like to dip my feet in all these different things and be a part of all these different things. Um, and they're both like that, except for they're both way better at it than I am. You know, they, they have a lot more wisdom and experience. And so, you know, listening to their stuff and and getting to chat with them is just really, really inspirational um, for me. So anyway, if you haven't heard of Phil Cook, he is an extremely accomplished multi-instrumentalist, whether it be piano or guitar or banjo. He's also a singer, songwriter, and producer based in Durham, North Carolina. He's composed music for Bon Vare, Kanye West, the Blind Boys of Alabama, and his Golden Messenger, among others. As well as contributed to studio recordings for Bruce Hornsby, Amy Ray of the Indigo Girls, the Mountain Goats, and Kathleen F. Edwards. Excuse me, Kathleen Edwards. Stumbling over my words. He's a founding member of Megaphone and the Shouting Matches with Justin Vernon. And he currently makes records and tours under his own name. Um, his most recent release is As Far As I Can See, which was released in 2019. He's got another release he's working on that he talks about um, in the interview, which sounds like a super cool concept. We nerded out over that for a little bit. And my favorite album of his uh, so far to date, I think, is People Are My Drug. It's such a powerful record. The lyrics are wonderful. The music, the production, I just absolutely love. um, Love the record. So that's Phil Cook in a nutshell um you know he's been touring i first saw him live at telluride i first saw him live i you know i knew who he was but first seeing him live um 2019 at telluride blues and bruise festival and he played with i think everybody but um well a lot of people but he was there playing with uh, his golden messenger and with himself teehee um and I and it was awesome. And then I saw him again at Globe Hall in Denver playing with his Golden Messenger. And boy, is that a dynamic um, a dynamic there, um, you know, that he does with with MC Taylor and probably everybody he plays with. But anyway, holy crap! If you made it through this entire monologue, this is a very long monologue. I usually jump into it quicker. But if you made it through this whole thing, you deserve. Um, I'll tell you what. If you made it through the whole monologue, shoot me an email. music at gmail.com or middleclassrockstar at gmail.com no bullshit if you listen to the whole monologue shoot me your address i'll send you the new album for free i'm not even going to make you pay for shipping that's how grateful i am that you listen to the entire monologue okay great let's jump into the show quick thanks to our sponsors first pq mastering Patrick at PQ Mastering puts finishing touches on this podcast. And for any of your audio or restoration needs, go to pqmastering.com. Also, Narrator Music. For simple and affordable licensing for sync, visit narratorrf.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, shoot me an email at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. Great. Hey, Phil. Hey. Thanks for, thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, no problem at all, man. How- so fun
0: how have you been navigating things over the last year? I know, uh, you know, a lot of my artist friends are very creative, have been very creative over the last year. And a lot have said, man, I just can't do anything right now. Um, where have you been with stuff? Um,
1: I think as far as um, uh, it's a great question. Cause it's like, how do you measure uh, a year anyway, but then you try and measure a year, like the last calendar year and, um, there's a lot of layers, man. It's a really big onion, you know? Um, so, I mean, artistically, I would say that, you know, there's been one layer of the journey that's just been sort of like gradually and organically just kind of letting go of the hustle um, that I felt like I've been uh, running on since I was 15. And uh, there's all kinds of pieces to that. But, you know, a big piece of uh, of the hustle always is just like you know gotta you know you gotta go out and find it you gotta go out and find the money you gotta go out and find the things you gotta whatever and then you know um i i think just as a parent as a husband as a community member um there i've just been a more apparent and emerging needs for me to be putting my time and prioritizing my presence um, in other ways and in other avenues. Um, And so that's sort of, I feel like helped me really just feel like, you know, I mean, for real, like, you know, like for real Instagram, just kind of like, I don't know, after a year like this, it's just like, I don't know, there's a, there's a really big clarifying and and appealing away of a lot of things. And it's like, what am I in all this for? What did I start to do this for? What parts of this industry are, um, have I just kind of really been conditioned into um, just going along with and just feeling like the anxious plight of just like really feeling like I need to stay on top of everything all the damn time and be super proactive and make sure I'm getting the word of my presence and my branding out to like some things. I think there are a lot of people that are Natural at that, it comes naturally to them. Their brain works like that immediately. Mine does not, so it's always been a jarring, like uh, a, a a really jarring thing for me. I just always feel like I'm just really like I always feel like a dinosaur. A, eh? and it's great, you know. And I have a lot of friends who are like, you know, bemoan the social media that their record label makes them stay present on. You gotta stay active. Gotta stay. Gotta 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 gotta. This is all this shit that's just like, you know what, man. I, I don't care. (laughs) Honestly, it's like, I I don't, I really don't. And so there's a part of me that's just like really happy to let go of that part of it. But that's all industry. That's like all industry related. I mean, you know, when you're really talking about being in, uh, you know, being, you know, in a creative endeavor, a lifelong pursuit of just like expression and self-discovery That's like a great, that's a great part of last year because there's like this whole private world that I was able to explore that I just feel like I haven't had to share with really anybody, you know, uh, or I haven't needed to share with anybody I haven't felt like I needed to anything needed to be accounted for and it's just been like full of exploratory just new avenues and like and and like really deep dives and like uh really neat nerping into some nerdy ass shit down in my studio. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really have a home studio like as a part as far as things went, like up until this last year. So I'm really um I'm really thankful for this time to just actually sit down and build a space where I can like have a workflow. I can have everything. I just never had time. Just on the right. road, just always on the road and then coming home and prioritizing time at home with my family and so this has just been a really great uh space and time for me to just like really kind of uh find a way for me to have if i have 15 minutes i can make something cool in 15 minutes yeah i didn't i couldn't do that before and now i can and i've just really gotten into production i've gotten really into like awesome you know, synthesis, drum machines, all these really avenues that were just like completely different than everything that I've done all up until here, like which has been a lot more like acoustic instruments, fretted instruments, like, you know, piano, like just other sorts of things like that, electric guitar, just these really tactile, like, you know, manual things. And so getting into this other avenue with these other languages and other sorts of things has been this whole thing that like, I think some people of my fans would be a little surprised to hear that I've just been around with drum machines for a year, but that's yeah. <laughs> what the hell I've been doing. And honestly, like I I, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world because I just feel like yeah. it's like a whole nother it's like being able to learn a whole nother language and and be like, I don't know. It's just like it really expanding my skill set, really expanding like all the things and the tools in my drawer that I have for when, you know, we're able to move more freely um yeah. in the coming months and years that I can walk into any studio and just be like i don't know i could feel it i could just feel it like uh, i'm not afraid anymore about this yeah. whole section of a studio that used to be like uh, i'm gonna stay over here you know what i mean uh, this is the stuff i know and now i'm just like well I, now i know a whole bunch more and and yeah. uh, keep going so
0: yeah That's awesome so it, what, it, is there a thing you know to sum that up is there a thing where you said okay this needs less this deserves less of my attention and this deserves more of my attention and i learned that from from the last year like w- will you tour less you know when it's all over
1: yeah i mean you know uh i think that in, in terms of just realizing what i what a series of time can mean for my um my my family uh for real quality time spent with my family and really knowing what that means now because i've been forced to understand a long-term arc my the rhythm and cadence of a touring life is this like really can feel really binary in terms of just like on off like away home and like away on the road is very regimented uh and it's very like predictable everything you know just like thank yeah. thank 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 you just go through your day and getting home was always the most stressful part for me uh, i always had a hard time uh You know, uh, just getting the motion of, of everything out of my system when I just would arrive and I would just be like, Ugh. yeah, and uh then just getting like um, a real honest to God chance to just let all, all of those motors run out of juice and just be able to just like sit and be there and figure some stuff out. I mean, it's really taken a whole year for me to really realize what that slowdown has meant. And like some of, uh, you know, the peeling away, all the clarification that emerges from when, you know, just things are just slowly falling away. things are slowly like, and not in a negative way, just like, you know, just like, um, just like layers, just like skin shedding, just like all these like things that just evolutionarily are important to living a life. It's just like chapters, like, you know, out with the old and in with the new there's nothing more apparent than that right now just like um so yes i do not want there's always now it's like time sitting in a van just like just sitting in a 15 passenger van on a way to salt lake city to play some place wherever that i've played 50 times and and it's just like uh, i'd rather be here i'd rather yeah. be here with my kids i'd rather be here with my wife i'd rather be here in a place where i can sit down and like actually like you know, fire up an instrument and like do something creative with my day um, rather than kind of go through these emotions that are um, motions and emotions that are like, like, like very cyclical and just kind of in this, like this loop that it, it's all, it's all good. But it's like, it's just woken me up to the fact that like um, I have a big enough skill set and I have enough experience in my life right now at this point in time that I can, discover discover and explore other avenues of income streams that yeah. don't involve me just like playing some bullshit place in Cleveland or or like sure. you know Jersey or Ohio or Pennsylvania just like that I it's just like it's just like there's there's there are a lot of meaningless gigs. People yeah. may be like every gig play every gig like it's like okay great it's not nineteen eighty seven yeah. or nineteen ninety eight anymore. It's like yeah 2021. And it's just like superfluous, like absolute flooding of critical faculties. And we're just being inundated by sound and images and just like all these urges and just all this accessibility and really all of this awareness that we are not biologically programmed to be able to handle. Yeah, And and it's just too much for me. And I think it's too much for so many people. And a lot of people, I'm just hearing this back. So yes, my friends that have large touring enterprises that are having to like you know you know have retainers and really keep their bands on like you know they're just spending money they just feel the machine they can't get out of the machine some people that are in like i'm not in that boat man like i've been able to like fly low and slow i don't have a lot of like upkeep or people that are really relying on me and all this other stuff. So I don't have that pressure that some of the other people do that are like, got to get back out there. You know what I mean? I'm just like, uh, whenever I don't know. I mean, it's just like, I don't, it pointless to make any plans. That's like, all i learned. <laughs> you know,
0: somebody who's who's, you know, you've made an impact in the industry. I mean, you've, you've made a revenue stream all over the place, right? Because you've played with so many different artists, whether it's um, touring with Hiss or doing the shouting matches or, Um, just playing on other people's records, composing for other people. Um, You've done uh, so many different things that you're sort of you. It seems like you've set yourself up to say, "Okay, I can do go a number of different ways. You know, if you want to stay home and produce records for people or something, you can probably do that. Right. Yeah.
1: I'm hoping that's the I'm hoping to just kind of build that out that'd be great, you know, and then play just more, play less, but more meaningful shows. And then, you know, there's also this beauty of like, you know, you go to some of these cities that just have this really, incredibly established like localized scene and localized economy that um like like new orleans is like a great example of a place that's just like people have these weekly shows they have these weekly gigs and it's just like you can you know there people are just kind of play here on mondays they play here on tuesdays and it's sort of like uh you know every night you go back to your own bed every day you're with your family you do your thing but you kind of have a way there's other ways to just like and i've always dreamed of that that would be so great to just be able to have like a weekly show I just never could keep any kind of consistency when I'm gone you know it's like five six months a year
0: yeah. I,
1: I, I, I could never I, I just was all like someday and now it just feels a little more attainable to think about the idea that when things start to come back I just feel like it's just like we got to have low to no expectations and start really small it's just got to start small I mean you know what I mean there's no other way yeah. it's going to really actually happen and for me that just feels like maybe there's a way to Excuse me. Um, There's a way to just kind of do something like that more, just like something that's just a little bit more like localized. It's still just fun.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And in terms of you're talking about the meaningless gigs, um, you know, for me, that's the request for our piano gig at the steakhouse where I'm background music kind of thing. Like that's, you know, but I, but I do it for the rent kind of thing for you. <laughs> what is a meaningless gig versus versus meaningful gig? Is it solely based on the profile of the gig or, or do you ever look out in the audience and see a full crowd and say, hey, this is a meaningless gig?
1: That's a, that's a good question. I mean, I, I would say like status and profile don't really occur to me. Um, on, until like there's just times when you just get to like, play at the troubadour and you're like, damn, Donny Hathaway has been on this stage or everyone has been on here. Or in the prime auditorium. There's these things that just feel like, holy, I can't believe I'm here. Like that's kind of just more of a, in, just a, a milestone. That's just more like sp- a spiritual milestone to just be like, Whoa, it's so cool. Not that like, you know, I don't know. Uh, so the sometimes a, a, a giggle surprise you, obviously uh, I'll, sometimes I won't see one coming that's like really meaningful that I'm just like, Whoa, you know, but like, I mean, no matter what just tour routing and being gone for like 4 weeks means that like you're going to have to play all these places on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and they're all going to be like really tertiary markets and it's all it's it, there's nothing it doesn't disqualify them automatically. It just means that like by by law of odds it's just going to be like you're just going to have like these certain markets that 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 you do really well in and then there's going to be other things that you're just always testing out and you're trying whatever it is and it's just sort of one of those things that just is more of like it's more of a uh quantitative thing i feel like in the end it's just like the odds if you're just out on the road a whole bunch more you're playing more of these things I, i would say that like you know for me just to feel this really incredible connection to um, a wider audience has been through really well-established and really well-curated and really thoughtful festivals, which have been like Newport Folk Festival, like yeah. Eau Claire's Music Festival, Pickathon, uh, you know, and, and um, some places like that that are just really run by human beings that really give a shit. And they really are fans at the end of the day. Um, and they're keeping at bay like the, the industry monsters that are just like breathing down everyone's neck, just like, just, you know, doing all, you know, just massive corporate, you know, things that just leave so much waste. And there's just so much like trash metaphorical and and stuff that's left over after a place like that runs through a town. Yeah, and, right. you know, but you have these things like that. And you get to have like a, 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 a national dialogue with, with a national audience that all go back to their hometowns and um you know you can still make a really big impact in a small way those are really meaningful gigs for me and i I feel like i can look forward to spending time doing some of those things i can look forward to maybe spending some more time like curating and thinking about what would be a really special thing to come what really spiritual special places um because it really to me is like comes down there's a lot of uh like um like the meta is, is how I, I'm always panning out, but the meta of everything um, counts so much more now, just like the actual soul feeding spirit of a venue and, um, and some places that just feel like more sacred. And yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's definitely like, I can't necessarily put my finger on all of them, but it's more about the fact that it's just like, I think that some places are just gonna go by the wayside and other places are gonna pop up and that just seems pretty natural to what's happened today. It's sad, but it's also just how it is. It's just what's happening, you yeah. know what I mean? So some of those places that were pretty BS, you know, uh, yeah. uh, which I don't need to name because not, I'm, not, I'm not a real shit talker, but uh, yeah. that, that like if they just go away, it's like, well, I mean, kind of had it coming for a long time, you know? Yeah, like, sure, sure. You know what I mean? There's some yeah. of that stuff that's like, well, you know, save most of the venues. <laughs>
0: most of our, I, you know, I, yeah, We have had this conversation with a couple of friends before, save most of our stages, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like slogan. See, you're, you know, as you're sitting here talking about, um, you know, playing in a place that's sacred or spiritual or, you know, some of the venues where man, so-and-so played here. Um, you know, I, it makes me think about a record of yours in particular. And I love all your stuff. I love the collaboration you did with your feet 12, 13 years ago. Um, you know, as far as the, eye can see back in 2019, but um, the one that sticks out to me in, in this conversation is uh, people are my drug. Um, you know, and, and the description of that record is transforming pain and injustice into love and compassion. And, you know, you say about the record that you're really working, you know, in a spiritual way to honor, your influence is not just in a musical way, but in other, um, facets as well. What was kind of the process of recording that record for you? And, and what are the, some of those songs mean to you? Uh,
1: the process of recording that record was, um, instinctual and it was from the gut and my brother and, uh, kind of longtime gatherer and, and collaborator and producer, um, um, you know, kind of really was pushing for me to understand, um, to lean on my own instincts and just the moment of things. So we were, you know, we just cut the record really fast. You know, everything was just done really fast. We like, we cut the whole record in two days. Um, and it was all like done live on a floor. Um, and then we turned back to Durham where we just like cut all the rest of the vocals and the, you know, the choirs and the, any guests that were on there in another matter of a couple days. So it just felt like we just really flew with it. And it was just like first thought, best thought, just a couple of takes and just like no more than like two takes, just like from the gut, you know what I mean? And just like, this is the snapshot. And that's really how I've done my, my solo records. Like the, the first thing, like Phil cook and his feet record that I did the hungry mother blues one was like, uh, philosophy I have was just like I could forgive all these mistakes that I would make because it was just the, the record all those records the solo ones are just they're full of mistakes they're, I mean I've, I've, I flub left and right and I and I and it's just like it's just how I sound that day it's just like where I'm at you know I didn't want to edit it out I wanted to be honest so people come and see me play those shows they're gonna see <laughs> they're gonna hear the same amount of flubs and it's gonna be just honest so I, I was a liberating aspect of being like once you can accept the parts of you that, you know, that you don't have to edit out by Pro Tools because it's just really who you are, then there's nothing to hide behind. Then there's nothing to be ashamed of in that way. And this goes way beyond music. You know, um, the more you can kind of like own these things in yourself and really be true to who you are there's nothing to hide behind and if there's nothing to actually defend there's nothing to actually it's just like it's just there and there's a real liberation in that so bringing that mentality to a full band record with a lot of players on it and a lot of things just felt also really great because it just re- reaffirms the fact that like you know you just I have to surround myself by just really great really great instinctual players and great instinctual people with like, that have great people instincts and have great music instincts and just give them all the runway that they, that all the runway that they can handle for themselves to govern their own participation in the music. I don't want to tell anyone what to do or anyone about where it's to go. And for, to be honest, like by the time we hit people on my drug, um, I had a, like a, a touring band and an established band, you know, I, yeah. you know, I have, I have a drummer, I have a bass player, I have a, a, a keyboard player and, you know, a percussionist. And I have, you know, other singers that I work with that we've played a lot of shows, you know, since, so I saw South, from Southland mission all the way up to people Are my drug was just like, there was a lot that happened in there. I learned how to be a band leader. I learned how to like, you know, kind of tour manage my own shit. Cause we were on shoestring budgets. We were like, again that was full of meaningful places that had almost no people in it that were really like a lot of shows you know that were really meaningful but to me it was that was so much more about the fact that like we all leaned into each other and that i really rely on everyone around me to like to govern their own ship in this way and uh, and in that way when their strengths are apparent and they kind of have a good sense about what they bring to the band and what they, what, like what they're really good at within the band and in the van and outside the venue, all those things that we all move in this like way that just perpetuates it all forward. Yeah. And like, no. And so it's, it's, I love that. So I, I gut check with the guys all the time. I'm always just like, Hey, no, like we make group decisions all the time and it really comes down to just like everyone knowing their strengths and me just uh, all of us trusting each other and um that just felt like a, such a good metaphor for like a community that i felt like i was just so inspired to live in and so inspired to just be like awakening all the time to like how much talent and beauty is around me every day um if i just fucking listen yeah yeah <laughs> Do you swear on this podcast i'm just i'm just going yeah, for break. yeah
0: go for it go for it
1: <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh yeah, so uh, I feel like when I think back to that that process, it was like quick and from the gut. Yeah. There was a lot of trust that was built, and I can feel in that record, um, you know, all over the place. And at the same time, it's kind of crazy to feel like the level of the more of the levels of that have in chapters that have happened since that record even came out. Of that, I feel like I've learned and yeah, and so. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 yeah. Uh,
0: I'm trying to think, uh, Who who are you? Um, you know, I was, I I read an article you did about that record and you were talking about you're somebody who's always sought mentors and you really wanted to honor the people who, who have shaped who you are. I mean, who are those people and who are those influences?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, so, so, so much and so many people. Um, uh, I mean, so, so, so,
0: yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That would laughs> yeah be, but like, it, be a broad it, question.
1: yeah, but like, those influence, I and mean, there's, there's, you know, I, I, I can say that, like, there is, like, uh, there is, um, like almost like an endless cultural wealth in this country that, um, to be excavated and mined and celebrated and honored and respected. And a large share of all of that has to do with the fact that, you know, wherever African diasporic traditions, culture, and music land, whatever continent, yeah, whatever continent African diasporic music lands on fertilizes the soil of whatever continent that is and changes and becomes a part of the music and grows into a whole new entire like species and subspecies of plants and just is in every single thing. It's in the air, it's in the ecosystem. it, It just becomes this incredible garden. And I just feel like the story of American music has so much to do with that incredible um with 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 that cultural wealth so i mean i guess like you know something that i just to, the older i get and the in the deeper i get into um things like american gospel music things like um you know even there's like appalachian music uh getting into just like you know soul and getting into jazz getting into jamaican music getting into any of these things just uncovers just over and over again um so many people that lived lives uh you know and had stories to share and had music to actually speak to those stories. And there is a presence in that struggle and in that singing. There's a oneness in that that I feel like people like me are just constantly just we see we come to that fountain and we come to those waters constantly for like rejuvenation and the other side of that is realizing how much of that is the coming to those waters and those fountains is like exploitation and can be like into just like um you know taking advantage of of situations and um and so learning all those aspects around the music and how much of the American story has to do with all those things, all those joys, but also all that sorrow, all that pain and all the um, injustice that's happened too. And if you don't understand those broader pictures of how all of those things tie into each other, you're missing out on some of like, why? The why? Yeah. Yeah. And the how, like you're on, those are like some of the most unanswerable questions are why questions, why? kids asking you like i don't know like i I don't know why it's the sky blue i don't know why why are hard questions those are hard questions how is like a functional to do question why is like that's like existential you know what i mean and so yeah so i mean i feel like yeah but you get to someone like Aretha franklin and realize like the actual in my opinion like the mountaintop of like what um the gesture of american music um you know and virtuosity and you know um and poise and just like, um, I don't know, just yeah. just mighty, magnificent human spirit um, and the capability of what the human voice can do yeah. uh, is to me still feels like driving out of a mountain pass in the river mirror. the peak of that mountain is still very, very clear and will be clear for a very long time. The further we get away from it, it's just like, yep. you know what i mean so i took one example but it's just like just endless dudes do you wonder jesus you know
0: well and i what i i I love what i love about you in in your music um is that you are you know it's really eye-opening in the way that you're not just appropriating the music but really celebrating it and there's you know there's so many songs as as we can go back the tutti frutti's of the world that were first recorded um or written um by black artists and in the record labels instead of putting the money behind them would have a white artist recorded um and it would hit number one on the charts and so i I, it seems that there is a line there between celebration and appropriation is that ever any is that ever a struggle for you as an artist
1: always yeah always i mean i think that especially in the last year of you know, I think since George Floyd and everyone taking a long, long hard look in the mirror at, at all of ourselves, just like in our, as a country, just being like, again, having an opportunity to just like really reflect for real, um, even through all the politicization that happens and all the things like that, just like really taking a human look at like how suffering operates on this continent, in this culture, in this society um you know it, it uncovers all kinds of really uncomfortable questions that we all have to ask ourselves like why am i in this like why am i what you know what is it you know did you like, you know all these um so i i it's a constant struggle it's a constant struggle to just like to really try and understand um just my own motivations for constantly um being drawn to and um this music and these artists and these stories and you know, um, and I, I've, I haven't come up with any, like, really great answers after this year, but I will say that, like, um, I, you know, I'm, I mean, maybe a good point for me to just really make <laughs> as far as just understanding, like, like, bandwidth, and yeah. the capacity, and just, like, noise, and, like, I'm saying social media, just, like, everybody shouting, and nobody listening, as Bob Dylan said, it's just, like, this landscape where I just really feel like part of the way forward is that white dudes should be thinking about making a lot more instrumental music right now. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so like yeah. that's been a huge thing for me it's just been like uh, just like kind of taking a real step back and just like realizing that like some of the things that I can contribute as uh, an artist and as a creative and as a co- collaborator are like sometimes just like space giving space to something that that i that i don't need to be taking up and giving more space and time and access to things that i have access to as opposed to me taking those things and then trying to pass them down it's just like understanding more of these kind of like stepping back a little bit um parts that i think are really necessary and like really powerful and yet to be explored and unraveled like there's a lot more and i think that part of it is like putting into practice once we are more able to flow and have more dialogue that involves crowds that involves being out in there and really people to people because i just don't feel like i just feel like so much is lost Everything is just like, I mean, just the polarization of the of the landscape right now and attention economy just really makes it so that, like, what is the impact for real that people can have? I just feel like it all is going to come down to still word of mouth. It's always still going to come down to person to person. And right. as Cameron Crowe said, what you share with someone else when you're uncool, <laughs> the only true currency in this world. It's so like, you know, I mean, I, I still, at the end of the day, feel like it, maybe it all peeled down to just that again. And maybe that for me, that is just really a great place for me to start my journey back up to understanding what I can do. You know, wow.
0: that's, that's, uh, that's really powerful and a lot of stuff to reflect on certainly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to, while I've still got you here, I, I want to ask about a couple um, of collaborations, I put out a couple little things on a Facebook group or whatever. Like, hey, who's got a question for for Phil Cook? And one of the things that came up a couple times was um, th- your collaborations with other artists. You've done tons of them. Uh, and one of them uh, that I that I really liked was um, your collaboration on "Hallelujah." Anyhow, how you do with MC Taylor, his Golden Messenger, and you did piano, keyboard, slide guitar, harmonica, vocals. The question was, does Mike dictate? you'll sing here and everything's mapped out, or does it happen organically with suggestions from you?
1: Uh, you know, I, I give credit to Mike for really showing me by example um, the how powerful it is to give each band member their own agency of and their own autonomy to an extent. Um, my, um, I will say that um, Uh, Michael's directives to the bandmates and to me usually often would just start with like just a rhythmic, a gesture. So he would kind of say maybe this kind of like uh, something that kind of is more like this rhythmic gesture. So it wouldn't be like, you know, it, it it yeah. So there would be like a, a, a suggestions towards a gesture. I would say is where about where the direction would happen. And sometimes it would be like let's just lay out here. And in, you know, in the record making process in the studio, you know, my brother produced those records too, and so he would also have input on like you know, lay out here. um, will you know, fill, do a slide guitar solo. Let's do it here or whatever. You know, so they I'm I, you know, yeah. It it, it it I would be. I definitely played what was in my heart on all those records. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. And are, and did you? You did not contribute on on this most recent one. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I didn't contribute. There's like this. My one of my favorite, absolute favorite musicians in my entire life. I've been blessed to work with. Uh, Devon Harrison uh, from Richmond, Virginia, um, plays. Um all the keys on there and I love working with that guy and like he honestly is one of my biggest heroes and I just love that I can text him. I love I can't wait to work with him again. And I'm so stoked that he's on this new his record because his parts are so good, dude. They're so
0: good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's that what I've heard so far is wonderful. Um And are you going to be putting out, are you working on an instrumental record with some of these new influences you've been doing over the last year? Is there something coming out with you coming up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So basically um, I think the 2020 uh, I purposely took off from the road before I got, before the pandemic hit, Um, I already was coming home to be home for a whole year to just like, you know, kind of reassess and kind of take stock and kind of reorient to the future. Um, and uh get my you know mental health in a in a good spot and all that stuff, you know, so I'm really thankful for that. but I was heading into the year with my mind on a really big return to the piano, which is my my center and my very beginning when I was a kid so how I started everything and piano is the only thing I played from when I was five. that's not that's just actually not true at all, <laughs> but piano was like 90% of what my life was from when I was like, you know, three, four five years old, all the way up until I was like 25, pretty much. Um, uh, you know, so I took a huge sidebar and sidetrack into the banjo, say for instance, for like the aughts. And then the 2010s was me going into like electric guitar, finger picking. That was really when I really dove into that stuff. And so a lot of people when I entered the more the national scene really kind of like see me as the like a guitar player or would identify me as a guitarist or a band the guy or the banjoist from like megaphone. Um but I in my heart, I'm always playing piano. If I'm playing slide guitar, if I'm playing harmonica, if I'm playing anything, um, I'm playing piano. In my head, I'm playing piano. All the notes and where things are happening, it's all piano. It's all like that same map is in my head. It's what I bring to every other instrument. So I need uh, to acknowledge that in myself all the time. But I haven't sat down and practiced and like really just gone back to the piano and just been like, just going back to just playing scales, just go back to, like, sitting down and playing. So, like, 2020, I, I think I spent a massive part of the year just, like, just um, with these, like, really quiet, like, improvisatory explorations of piano and just, like, kind of really processing the year and the complexity of emotions, uh, you know, in this, like, way for myself that just ended up being... Pretty powerful, to be honest with you, um, for me. Because, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it, yes, it's instrumental music, and also it's like a really big return. And I think that you know, threading, you know, an initial instrument, threading an initial expression that is so old, and then a return to that place, and threading it through that kind of an experience like last year um really brings everything full circle again to like this point of just like where it all began where um where i really found myself expression yeah and it seems like with everything peeling away down to this point i think that all the questions that i have really have to kind of you know really left me sitting in this place where it was like I'm going to go back to the very beginning in a way, you know what I mean? And like start when, if I'm going to really start from scratch and like kind of go back, it has to start with piano. So, so yeah, I've been, um, um, you know, and it's, you know, when I started, you know, I had a piano in the house. So I had like every day and the kids would be at school or at preschool and my wife had an office she was going to. So I just was like, and i would just like they would all go and i would just play for like four hours every day from my january february all january and february i played almost every day at least three or four hours and i was just really kind of sh- just shredding just shedding my yeah just really getting back into it you know like all of it just feeling like, like really hungry to get back into piano like and explore new worlds new harmony new techniques new all this shit and then everything kind of like a sidetrack and blown up with the uh, pandemic and then i you know everyone was home and then it was like i can't practice really comfortably here well everyone has to be in the same place and there's virtual school and there's offices and there's we don't live in a big house it's not a big house so i ended up getting a like a weighted keyboard controller sometime in the summer and and it became very private because it was like waking up and my my hack was just like wake up at six you know, kind of do some meditation and then just like headphones thing, still quiet in the house. But I was just like in a very like private small space to just like go to like the center. So it felt meditative, really, really meditative. So I feel like, you know, um, something is definitely coming out of that. So I've been working on this piano record um sort of since January of this year kind of spent the year writing spent the year improvising I have so much material um that won't even see the light of day it's just all these improvisations that are like 45 hour like long improvisations of like on the piano and so it it's cool I mean it just feels like it's just like all these snapshots again of just like where I'm at and um and I also get to develop themes I get to like really kind of you know go to simplicity i even explored things like 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 not using damper pedal at all so uh, you know and this is just like this way for like no net no you know the only sustain is if you're holding something down with your finger and that's it so if you have like all these moving lines just to get neat nerpy and nerdy you know um kind of like exploring these small spaces where you know i can like have something sing while other things are moving and i have to like really you know, like, you know, um technically technically it's so simple and sound, but it's really complex in its execution and yeah. it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of like um like just a, so much muscular nuance in there that's been really fun to kind of get into that some of that stuff. It's just like again, nothing grand. It's just there's like it's like small, but it's so pure. So so anyway, that's yeah. kind of where I'm at that's what I've been doing.
0: That's wild. I love, I love the idea of playing out the damper pedal. When I, you know, I, I went to school for, for jazz piano and now, and now, yeah. And now as a, I'm a songwriter and play, you know, all kinds of different things. Right. But I find that having that pedal under my foot has become such a crutch. I mean, it's really cool, but it's, it's like there all the time. Yeah. What a great exercise. I got to try,
1: try it. Dude, you got to try it cuz I what's cool is that it really shows you how you play. It really it it, it makes it really clear. You like it's like naked experience of just like what do you how do you really play? You can really hear how your expression is and you can really um and I don't know, it's nice. And then it just really it made it really uh I just acknowledging and it felt like ah, okay. Like a really honest assessment is what it felt like. And so then it, then it just felt like working from that point of view felt like, I don't know. It's just like, I got really excited about it and kind of really nerded out on it. I almost was like, I'm going to make a whole piano record with like, no like p- pedal at all and whatever it is. And then I was just kind of like, ah, there's always big rules. That I put on myself or just like, it's like part of the thing that I'm just letting go of is just yeah. expectation and like big sweeping changes. And I'm going to do this every day. And these declarations, I'm just like, eh, nope. None of, I'm kind of done with all that shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, well, do you think these will eventually make it into some sort of a, a released project?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping so. I have a, a my my cousin is a is a great um, great recording engineer, and it's crazy because we've had such crazy parallel lives, and we run into each other, but we're also first cousins and have always known each other our whole life. Yeah. Uh, and his name is Brian Joseph. And uh, he's worked with all kinds. Of, actually, he's from Colorado, so he's from. Uh, yeah, he's from Parker, and he grew up in Denver. So he worked at Larimer Lounge. He's, like, oh worked, yeah. He, his he came up when he was like, when he just got out of audio engineering school with The Fray, and then ended up working with. Oh, um, he's uh, then he ended up working with Bonnie Ver. He's like worked with local natives. He worked all these like really. He's he's great, and he has a. So anyway, he's driving down here in a couple of weeks in April. And um, we have a space downtown with a Steinway Grand Piano that I have full access to. So we're going to spend a week like really capturing um, stuff. So yeah, it's all in the works. So there wow. will be sometime in 2021, there will be a Phil Cook solo instrumental piano <laughs> record that's going to come out. That'll be the next thing that people um, that people hear from me on. That's
0: awesome. Will it be just piano? Or are you can add some things. Yeah. Like uh, no,
1: uh, uh, it'll be it'll be just piano. Uh, but, you know, um, you know, we're we're doing some non trad stuff on on it. You know, we got like a um, help and still pick up in um, that we did a bunch of recordings on that we were running through some other sorts of things. So it's all piano. But we were just kind of like like kind of like uh, taking some of this just the sounds. And yeah, there'll be probably like four different pianos on the record like four different pianos that over the course of the record, they all have wildly different sounds and wildly different sets of flaws to them. Some really severe and some just really immaculate, you know? Um, and, and so, um, but all of it, like really, all of it really like contemplative and um, with like a, just, you know, there's that piece of hope that I just can't let go of that's in the center of it. So, you know, yeah.
0: so you're a jazz piano player too. Well, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't call myself a jazz piano player. I'd say, I mean, that's what I went to school for is I wanted to get better at piano, but I, you know, I do all kinds of different things. I got really into boogie woogie in New Orleans piano for a while.
1: Whoa. So you're like a Booker fan and like Dr. Absolutely. John and absolutely Alan Toussaint. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Me too, man. Me too. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't even know until just now that that was your primary instrument. Um, yeah, you know, like you said earlier, right, I, I, I've, I've seen you play keys, but I always see you playing guitar and um, a number of other things. So that's so cool uh, to find out about you.
1: Yeah, it's cool that you're into all that stuff. Yeah, I love New Orleans, man. That's my sacred city, man. I love it. I, that's like the endless well for me. That's like the that's the fountain. I mean, that's like the source. Um, That's like the geyser that fed the whole that feeds the whole country to me. And the whole story is like
0: the that place so yeah uh, yeah yeah henry butler you henry butler fan yeah i
1: love henry i've seen him play a few times i've been to jazz fest several times and um i love it there so much i finally have a couple friends in new orleans that i can call and hang out with and um a place maybe i can crash if i want to go to town like i've always wanted that because i was like 15 i've been like i wish i had a friend in new orleans i can just like call and be like hey you know but
0: yeah you probably have a few now
1: yeah thank thank god i mean that's what happens over time you know you just kind of you know you do develop those things and i pursued them obviously too i was like oh i'm making a friend in new orleans you know
0: yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome well if you don't mind stay on the line with me for just one sec but i'm going to say goodbye to the audience so thank you um, for, very much for your time
1: no problem thank you so much andy appreciate it. you wanted to have a chat man it's all good absolutely <laughs>
0: All right. How about that? Thanks, Phil, so much for your time. That was awesome. It was, it was such a good conversation. And we continued to talk after the interview was over for a little bit, too. And uh, there was just I felt so much energy when it was done. You know, I, I walked around the house and I was just in a, a great mood, put on a couple records, started singing along. Um, you know, he, his his spirit, his energy rubbed off on me for the rest of the day and it's still i'm still feeling it and one of the things he said towards the end of our our conversation was that we're all the humans are all infinite prisms and we can always um become something new and evolve and develop and and do whatever Uh, humans are made of water and that can fill any glass (laughs) and i i loved that so uh, it, it was so great chatting with him i guess his uh his spiritual helpline. happened happened to me afterwards, right? Because I started listening to music, and singing along on my record player right after our, right after our conversation. So there's something to that. Fills an incredible dude with an incredible presence, and I'm really excited to hear this uh, this instrumental piano record coming out, um, you know, later on this year probably. So, really, really cool stuff. Phil, if you're listening, thanks again so much. I sure appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, hate mail, death threats, you can send them to me, middleclassrockstar at gmail.com or music at gmail.com is just fine too. If you'd like to help out this podcast in a monetary way, I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash andysidow, S-Y-D-O-W. And that just helps keep the train a-moving. I put all kinds of uh, exclusive content up on there as well. Um, if you can't help in a monetary way, no worries, no worries at all. Just you being here is awesome, and you can rate and review on Apple, on Apple, uh, Apple Music, or wherever you listen. Apple Podcast, wherever you listen, um, that helps out a ton. But even just you being here is cool too, right? Um, thanks for listening, and uh, I'll chat with you next week. <music>